When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Let's get to it. Welcome to Monday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And uh, we are loaded up. Plenty of uh, hoops to talk. Boys State gets rolling. Uh, Pius goes wire to wire. We'll talk with assistant coach and Husker standout Andy Markowski. Bad weekend of refing for the Big Ten Zebras. Man, between Wisconsin and Iowa, that meltdown. Two minutes and change of actual game time that was 20 minutes of real time. And as a Nebraska basketball fan, it wasn't quite to the level of Iowa, Wisconsin. But man, some missed calls, some questionable calls. And uh, Nebraska basketball right there, led with 11 seconds left. Couldn't finish things out against Northwestern. We'll hear from the mayor, Coach Hoiberg. His postgame and uh, preview coming up as Nebraska looks to, uh, to put a run together as Penn State waits in Indy. Uh, thoughts on uh, Nebraska football. Charlie McBride going to be with us. Greg Smith, recruiting insider with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. We're uh, three or four minutes away from the first commit of the 2022 class, Ernest Hausman uh, from Columbus. And uh, the first Columbus commit recruit uh, since 1993. Tim Carpenter, fabulous tight end for Nebraska, mauled lots of people during those 90 championships and uh, excited to talk with Ernest Hausman. What a, what a just incredible story with Ernest and his uh, trip to Columbus and uh, the United States uh, with his loving family and uh, had a chance to see him play Southeast this year. I had the Southeast Columbus game and he was uh, just doing all sorts of things all season long at outside linebacker. Uh, started out his career as a cornerback and wide receiver. Also led Columbus in catches and yards this year. So Ernest, uh, just phenomenal athlete, and he is a big time get Elijah for Nebraska. Not only is he uh, the the first commit for 2022, but he's uh, one of those in-state kids that you got to keep. And the rest of the Big Ten world was quickly hunting uh, Ernest to try and get him to. To, to, to find their way, his way to, to their campus. So good on Nebraska landing this kid. Wait, so you're telling me the last time Nebraska landed a kid from Columbus, they went on to win three of the next four national championships? I did. I'm not reading too far into this. I don't right? want to put, like, dude, I don't want to go that much pressure. <laughs> we'll talk with uh, Ernest here in a couple of minutes. You can join us. Get in today. 
Dial us up here on Hale Varsity Radio, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Those are the numbers. Can find us and give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal, and can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Great weekend for Nebraska baseball as they've reeled off three straight. Will Bolt and uh, company, man, those guys are doing work. Uh, they're young pups, a lot of them, and uh, they delivered with uh, some power, and that's fun. I always kind of think back to the uh, the Dan Johnson uh, hopper crew that would just crush, just mash home runs uh, for Van Horn's squad. And Nebraska baseball has found ways to win. And of course, the Alex Gordon era, uh, they'd, they'd went a lot of different ways. But I always kind of enjoy the the long ball treatment with, uh, with Husker offense. And they were hitting extra base hits. They were going yard. Uh, a lot of um, offensive explosiveness, good enough pitching for the Big Red. They'll be at uh, U.S. Bank. This weekend, uh, a pair against Iowa, a pair against Ohio State. And then things are, are shaping up, not only with state basketball, but also the uh, the the reality of, of the Big Ten tournament that's going to be a, a bubble setting, kind of an entree into the NCAA tournament with how things are handled with Nebraska getting going against Penn State. Uh, our schedule is uh, going to be like this this week. We'll have Pius... And uh, Class A opening round action tomorrow at 4 from Pinnacle Bank Arena. We'll also have coverage on Friday here at 4 of state tournament action. And then the semis that evening and uh, state championship action. Plenty of Waverly and Norris coverage. And, uh, of course, Parkview Christian as well from uh, from Motsi and myself and Willie J and Elijah and uh, – uh, Damon Barr. So we're all geared up and fired up for state tournament action. Let's bring in uh, Nebraska's uh, first recruit for 2021, standout linebacker with Columbus, Ernest Hausman with us. Ernest, thank you for the, the time today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Well, take us through this process for you uh, when it comes to, to Nebraska, your commitment and you're a, a guy that had so many offers, and I know Nebraska was your first offer, but as you, you put kind of an evaluation sheet together, uh, kind of sifting through the pros and cons of every program, what was it that, that really stuck out about Nebraska that, that made it feel like not only was it time, but this was the best fit for you? Yeah, so, you know, with that spreadsheet, you know, it was, it was a combined questions from, you know, from my parents' standpoint. Um, and then as, uh, as well as my own um, and what I wanted. Um, and, you know, each question had a, like a different, varied uh, importance of it. And the main, the main question for me was uh, the, the mission of the team. Um, you know, it was, it was a really cool process to be able to hear um, from great programs and um, their missions and then how they approach the missions. Um, you know, that was very key in my, recruit, my, my recruitment and what I looked at. And, you know, with Nebraska's mission – um, it, it it aligned with what I wanted, um, and then as well as um, all the other boxes they checked, and then with the timing of it all, um, I wanted to be respectful of the other coaches in the programs. Um, I wanted to have them focus on their rookie uh, rosters and fill in their spots, and I I really wanted to commit to Nebraska and 
start building the 2022 class. Ernest Hausman's with us on Hale Varsity Radio, standout linebacker for Columbus High and the first recruit for 2022. You uh, made that pretty evident with, with being respectful, and uh, the recruiting process is wild, and it's more wild now with virtual visits versus in-person visits. And uh, go back to the mission here. What, what is your mission? What do you want to do in college uh, at the next level, what what is your main goal? Um, my my main goal is to be the best person I can be. Um, you know, with athletics, and then as well as off the field. Um, you know, and that and I know that you got to give a lot back to your community. And you know, with Nebraska, I I felt like I could give a lot back to my community and make a big impact. I mean, I, I understand that football is more than just a game. Um, and you know, it wasn't just a four year choice. It was like a it was my whole life choice. Um, I realized that these next four or five years, you know, they have a huge impact on your life. And I wanted to go to a place where I can make a big impact on people. And I thought Nebraska was it. Ernest, tell me a little bit about the Columbus community. You've grown up there and uh, you've been able to, to thrive there. What's the community meant to you? Uh, the community has meant a lot to me. Um, you know, it's a great community. Everyone's very friendly and neighborly. Um, you know, you could just you can go over, ring someone's doorbell, you know, they would welcome you in. Um, you know, they're very supportive. You know, they support us all on Friday night. Um, you know, it's, it was, it's a great town. I wouldn't grow up in, rather grow up in any town, you know, especially with my transition coming into America. Um, you know, they're very welcoming and understanding of what, what I've been through. And, you know, it was a very place that felt like home. Ernest, uh, Columbus isn't typically known as a recruiting hotbed, and you yourself, your, your uh, recruitment didn't really blow up until the last few months, really. Um, if you could take yourself back a year from today, did you see all this turning out with, with the amount of schools contacting you and offering you and you now uh, committing to Nebraska? Would you have ever expected this? Um, you know, I, would, I um, you know, with my goal, with my goal setting, um, it was obviously one of my goals to be you know, highly recruited, um, you know, I trust the process through it all. You know, I knew my time would come, and, and then as soon as the uh, coaches would get a hold of my film, that it would start it start picking up. So ultimately, I just trusted the process and kept working hard and knew the time would come. Ernest Houseman's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, commit for Nebraska football 2022, linebacker from Columbus. Ernest, uh, what was the interaction and reaction like when you uh, told the coaches Friday that you were you were heading to Lincoln? Yeah, it was actually, you know, I kind of got the dates mixed up. I was so excited. It was actually Thursday night, actually, let them know. Um, but it was, it was awesome. It was it's something I'll never forget, you know. Once I knew I wanted to commit to Moscow, I wanted to let them know that right away. You know, I got a hold of Coach Dylan, and I said, hey, can I get a Zoom call set up uh, with the coaches? And, you know, he, he, he said, absolutely. And he got that set up in an hour, and I got my whole family on it. And it was just an absolute, it was absolute joy. It was just amazing. Who have you been able to connect with on the Nebraska staff between the defensive side of the ball, Coach Frost? I mean, it sounds like it was a pretty big effort by the Nebraska coaches to, to be in contact with you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the big factors I felt like in this recruiting and was different a lot of other schools. You know, it was a lot of it was felt like a family at Nebraska. Um, I felt like the recruitment process was you know very different from others. Um, it wasn't just your position coach you're talking to. You were talking to 
other positions, offense, defense, everyone. You know, it just felt very family-like. And how they approached it and went away, went their way with it. Um, you're just getting a lot of phone calls. You're just reaching out. They actually genuinely care about you. And, you know, I thought this place would be the best place for me. Ernest, let's talk about your transition from, from corner to outside backer. And you plan to play inside backer your senior year. How's that gone for you? Obviously, well, <laughs> defensively, but uh, just as far as you know, gearing up and switching and and being being so versatile. Tell me about that ability to raise your game in different positions. You know, I, I really like challenges. You know, I, I really love that side of the game of football. You know, if I you know if I'm not challenging myself, you know, I'm not doing something right. Um, so you know, switching to inside linebacker, you know, I know it's gonna be a very different part of the game. I gotta learn, but you know, I'm really excited. You know, I'm doing stuff right now to get myself prepared for that, you know, just physically and mentally as well. Um, I know that there's a lot of different reads you have to do and just a lot of different techniques stuff that I have to learn, but I'm very encouraged and I'm ready to learn it. Talking with the first commitment in the uh, Huskers class of 2020, excuse me, 2022, Ernest Houseman. And Ernest, you're a guy who put on a lot of weight last year to transition to outside linebacker, now making the move to inside backer. So I just want to ask you, well, what parts of your game are you working on as you approach your senior season and ultimately uh, as you approach stepping foot on Nebraska's campus? Um, for me, you know, um, always get bigger, faster, stronger. It's always um, something I'm always working towards. Um, but then as well as the technique side, you know, I know there's a lot of different techniques they got to learn. So I'm, I'm going to be putting a lot of work into that this offseason um, to get prepared for that. And as well as the mental side of the game, you know, um, I'm, I'm getting prepared right now for college as well. Um, you know, I, I know that's in my future. So I'll be, I'll be taking that mental part of the game really seriously now. Um, and just getting prepared for that. And Ernest, as you develop your game, are there any guys in the NFL or in college football that you, you look up to and you like to model your game after? Yeah, absolutely. I grew up a uh, Levante Davis fan, you know. Good answer. I, uh, yeah, I was, I was in a mall in Omaha, and this artist was, uh, had paintings um, that he drew, and one was of, was of Levante David, and I told my dad when I was younger that we should get that one he did, and you know, I've had that in my room ever since. Ernest, uh, with Nebraska, what do they want you at weight-wise, and do they want you to kind of be a hybrid inside-out, or has that been discussed yet? Yeah, you know, they really like my versatility and my speed. Um, you know, they want me to weight that I can still be able to move as efficiently as I am right now. Um, you know, they're not really worried about my weight putting on so much because, you know, it's my frame and just the rate I'm getting gaining weight at. So, you know, they want me around 230. Um, it's something that I know I can get to. Um, and, you know, I just want to, make, I want to make sure I can keep my speed and versatility that I have right now. When it comes to the, the state of Nebraska, there's a lot of in-state prospects, uh, not only last year, but this upcoming class. And tell me a little bit here. I got a couple of minutes left, Ernest, and it's been great to meet you and spend time with you. Uh, what, what do you want to do with this class as the, the first guy in with some of the other kids in-state? Well, I want to build this class, absolutely. You know, I'm really looking forward to that, um, you know, talking to the coaches as well. Um, you know, I'm really going to get, I'm going to go 100 miles an hour at this uh, building class part of it. I um, mean, you know, I'm really excited about it. Um, I know that, you know, you got to get, get them kids that love the game, but as well have a great character um, and just uh, great people to be around. So I'm really excited about it. Ernest, before we let you go here, we got we got about a minute left with you. I just want to ask, are there any guys on the Huskers roster currently that you're looking forward to, to learning under and playing with? Um, I haven't had the chance really yet to look at that. You know, I'm still trying to digest what's going on right now. 
Um, but um, I will be in contact with the coaches as well, just to get on the same page as well as them, so that um, we can get a really good 2022 class. Ernest, uh, I, I, last thought, a second last thought, right? Uh, <laughs> with uh, with with early enrolling, is that something you're you're thinking about, or are you still up in the air on on when you'll get to Lincoln? Yeah, Marty, I've already made my decision that I'll be uh, I'll be attending there mid mid year. So I've already made that decision with my family, and we are getting um, everything needed to do that. So that's something I'm really looking forward to as well. Ernest, best to you. Thanks for the time. Congrats on your success and continued success. You. Appreciate your time today. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Ernest Hausman with us. Uh, standout for Columbus. Uh, just uh, one awesome linebacker and uh, the first commit for 2022 for Nebraska football. And uh, his uh, highlight film, incredible. And there's a lot of guys you get to watch on Friday nights under the lights that kind of make you go, wow. But he was one that we've had a chance to cover. And you'd get for Nebraska, Michigan in on him, Iowa in on him, Northwestern in on him. Sparty was there. And uh, Nebraska the first, uh, they got it done. They got the commitment. Uh, Awesome kid, wonderful family, and uh, best to him. We'll hit some hoops. Andy Markowski. Husker thoughts and some pious recap. That's on the way with Hale Varsity. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Ernest Hausman interview posted uh, SoundCloud. That'll be up on the ESPN Lincoln Twitter handle, ESPNLincoln.com. And um, good stuff for the Nebraska football commit. He is a dancing machine. He is the pride of Ord. He is smiling still with a uh, second consecutive championship with Pious Girls Basketball. We welcome in Andy Markowski with his... Andy, I'm watching footage right now of the post-game locker room celebration. The water water spraying everywhere. And, and brother, you can get moving. I'm, I'm proud of the, uh, the agility as, as we climb into our 40s. Well done. Yeah, I'm still sore, but other than that, it was, uh, went well. <laughs> you're not sore. You're still smiling. <laughs> I don't buy that you're sore. Congratulations to you and your family and, of course, obviously the Pious crew, man. How, uh, how have you been able to soak it in? You've done it once before with the championship uh, last year, this year, an undefeated season capped off. Great win over Fremont. Yeah, it's uh, it was a special season. You know, last year was not unexpected. We, you know, we had a really talented group, but but certainly kind of flew under the radar. And then, um, you know, the the winning of the state title was kind of a surprise. You know, this year was just a really stressful year because if, if this group didn't run the table and and win a championship, it you know it would really be viewed as a as a disappointment, and it, and it shouldn't be that. But that's just the bar that they set for themselves. So. Um, I was, you know, super excited for, for everybody involved, coaching staff, players, you know, obviously my, my daughters, um, to be able to finish it off because, um, you know, it, it was just a really special year that uh, they worked hard and, uh, you know, didn't get off to a great start, but they, they stayed the course and, and got it finished. What's it been like to, to be able to coach your, your gals? Yeah, you know, it's um, I've been fortunate um, to to be able to coach them through you know different forums of, of uh, AAU basketball and those things, but to to have the stakes you know so high in, in, in high school and, and see them grow and develop and and be leaders, but not just them, you know, the, really the whole group, uh, you know, Jillian Ashoff, 
Miriam Miller, um, the other seniors that um, yeah had played with with Alexis and stuff in the summer, and then there's other you know players on the team that I've spent a lot of hours in the gym with. So just to see them develop and grow, and you know have a chance to put their talents out in front of the of the, of the state, and you know play their best in the, in the biggest moments uh, has really been fun to watch. Danny Markowski with his assistant at Pius and Pius. Uh winning the Class A Girls State Championship, beating Fremont in undefeated season, 25-0. and 0. And uh, one thing I've noticed about your, your pious kids and, and Coach Pesota and you and the staff and, and the team, not only being able to shine in big moments, but handle big moments. And take me through that, that mentorship uh, from the coaching staff to the players. You, you have really talented players, but they're able to not flinch in high-stress moments. Um, how has that been able to have been ingrained at, at such a, a big-time level? Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of them are multi-sport kids, so they've, they've been, you know, on the stage and, and different platforms, and, you know, they, they've worked hard, and they've had you know, great support from families and, and parents, and, you know, Pius does a, you know, such a great job of, of keeping kids centered you know, in faith and, and, you know, being about the team and trusting each other. And, you know, I think all those things kind of, uh, you know, come together in, in moments like that. And, um, you know, we had multiple kids step up from, you know, the semifinal game, having kids come off the bench to make free throws, to, to making big free throws, to, you know, having some players make threes in the first half when we were kind of on the ropes. And, you know, I don't know where they – they pull it from, but you know, um, you know, it's been a, amazing to, to watch, and and you know, Lexus especially. Um, you know, I ran the numbers. Um, you know, I think our eight state tournament games uh, have eight double doubles, averages twenty five and seventeen rebounds. So, you know, her best has always come out against the, the best, and you know, that's a, a special quality. And I wish I knew exactly what what caused it because I would bottle it up and sell it if if, if I knew. But um, you know, it's just. Uh, once again, a rewarding season, and I yeah, appreciate the highest uh, administration allowing me to be a part of it. And obviously, the, the turnout with uh, the support from the fans and the students was, was special Saturday as well. It was awesome. Eddie Markowski's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Eddie, got to switch gears. Uh, Nebraska basketball uh, had a shot, and uh, Northwestern got a tip in at, at uh, about three seconds left on an offensive rebound. Nebraska was right there, then they weren't. Uh, what's your, your feel for Nebraska moving forward here into the postseason? I know they have Penn State, kind of a rubber match game, but, you know, Fred talked a little earlier about, you know, the, they're close to being 5-5 five and five in their last 10. We've talked the last couple of weeks about the progress Nebraska's showing, and they're playing some of their best basketball, but, you know, what, what does Wednesday look like, in your opinion, and, and a comment here on you know, picking yourself up off the ground after just another gut punch loss. Yeah, you know, certainly I I, I was hoping that they could split, um, you know, kind of laid an egg at Iowa and, 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 you know, had chances, you know, against the Northwestern team that, you know, I think we're more talented than certainly got off to a, you know, a poor start, you know, battled your way back and then just really found ways to, to lose the game, you know, versus making winning plays. So, you know, that, that's been a disappointing uh finish um yeah i thought maybe they could pick up one more and, and you know went three of their last four and have some momentum 
going into the Big Ten. So, you know, this is a big game for me to see how engaged the group is. I mean, a lot of postseason play is who wants to be there, you know, who believes that they can win a couple games and who wants to head to spring break and, and head home, right? I mean, those are kind of the two paths you can take this time of year. So I'll be anxious to to see if, um, you know, this group is, is really committed to, to finish the season and playing well, which, you know, I, I think we've proven that we can beat Penn State. We have once, and, and technically I, I thought I had a chance to win both games. So it's a winnable game um, if, if, the, if the team wants to be there and wants to play well to, uh, to keep the season going. Eddie, uh, not a good weekend for Big Ten officiating. Um, the Iowa-Wisconsin game was, was rough. Wisconsin fans are still screaming about it. Iowa fans are, are rolling their eyes, some calls that went against them. And then you had just – I guess I'm blown away. And you're a guy who played for Nebraska and, and you've coached at Division One. And how do people get things wrong when they go to the monitor? Do you have an answer for me? Yeah, that – you know, if, if they can't get it right with a monitor, let's just get rid of monitors, right? Because that's the only, you know, valuable, you know, reason to have them. The game slows down. I, you know, I, I don't think it's great to to watch uh, a bunch of replays. So, you know, once once they go to the monitor, they can't get it right. You know, they they have to. You know, they at the Big Ten. I, I I don't know. I you know, obviously talked to a former Big Ten coach that still lives in Lincoln. You can you know figure out who that is. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, the, the Big Ten the last you know five, six, seven years has has really deteriorated from the upper echelon of of uh, of refereeing. Uh, and they're going to make mistakes and and miss calls. I mean that that's always going to happen. But I, I think the inconsistency. Over, over the league schedule with the different crews and even some of the, the same people are inconsistent with how they call games. and That makes it hard on, on players and, and coaches. And, you know, when you start missing obvious calls, now you start losing trust, um, you know, that, that the coaches have in you um, where they start to become a little bit more animated. So, um, yeah, they just have to, have to be better. It's, it's a hard job, uh, you know, that the game's moving fast. Players are bigger and stronger. Um, I, you know, I get all that, but, but there's some, some, you know, you illustrated a handful of calls that, you know, can cost people their job, right, when they, when they get some of those things wrong. I mean, this is a, a big boy business, and, and the refs should have the same accountability to, to making sure they're doing the best they can. Andy, while we're talking pace of play here, there, there's been a lot of talk in the past couple of years of people saying this new brand of basketball is being played in the NBA and college basketball uh, can get choppy and a little unwatchable. Where, where do you stand in that argument? Do you think basketball was better in the 90s? And do you see any rule changes coming to basketball in the coming years to maybe speed up the play, make it a little more watchable for the fans at home? Well, from, a, from an NBA standpoint, I, I think the, the athleticism and the skill of today's player is is better than the 90s. I mean, you know, I'm a huge Jordan fan, but um, you know, Jordan played at at 210. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain played at 270. LeBron James plays at 260. I mean, you know, Wilt Chamberlain was the most dominant you know athlete in the world, and LeBron plays point guard 10 pounds lighter than Wilt. So, you know, from that aspect, I, I don't think you can you know compare. I just think. Technology, uh, you know, allows people to be bigger and stronger than, than we were two two decades ago. Um, but I, I don't think it's unwatchable. I mean, you know, high school, you know, a shot clock trying to force kids to play with more skill. I think all that makes sense. Um, you know, college, um, you know, the lane is is still really physical. They've not been able to 
to figure out how to, uh, you know, get rid of hand checking and some of the things that go on around the basket, which, you know, I think keeps scoring down a little bit. But um, I think the game's in a really good spot. I think the skill level is up. I think girls' basketball um, is better than ever. I mean, you know, I had multiple people, you know, tell me they're blown away at the talent that was, you know, in Lincoln, you know, this week. So, you know, I'm speaking at a lot of different levels, but I, I think the game's in great shape and, you know, they have to just keep kind of looking at it and, and massaging it and trying to figure out ways to keep making it better. Andy Markowski is with us. Andy, a couple minutes left in your career at Nebraska. Worst experience you had where you thought the game, I don't want to say it was stolen from you, but you guys got hosed something fierce by the Zebras. You know, I don't, I, you know, that's a great question, Chris. I, I, nothing jumps out where there's like an obvious call late. The, the play that sticks out to me, and it ended up being the right call, we were in a triple overtime game against Oklahoma down in Norman in 95 mm-hmm. or 96. And Jerron Boone was driving right. He's left-handed. He shot a shot about 17 feet, and it went over the backboard you know, from back to front, you right? So he's driving the baseline, and it went in. It would have given us a four-point lead, and the ref waved it off as, you know, the ball can't pass over the backboard, which was the right call, a really difficult call live because the ref was kind of under the basket, not, you know, directly in line with the, with Jerron in the shot. But th- that play sticks out to me because, A, Danny lost his mind. Billy Tubbs, I think Billy Tubbs is still there, so it had to be 95. Um, but anyway, it was kind of a bang-bang call. Ref made a, a judgment call. No replay back then. I don't even know if you could replay that. But that one sticks out because uh, we ended up losing the game, but that, that would have you know, certainly allowed us to, to win the game going up four. So I don't know if anybody else. I remember the, I remember the shot. I remember the shot. Yeah. Danny took the tie and the coat off. Yeah, uh, so that, that one sticks, sticks out to me. If, uh, yeah, it's just kind of a call that – you know, affected the outcome of a game, even though, you know, uh, based on the rule, it was the right call. Andy Markowski. Andy, best to you. We'll see you this week. Thanks for the time today. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Andy Markowski, Ernest Hausman. We got kicked off this Monday. Charlie McBride's on the way. We'll spend some time with Greg Smith. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-800-825-5865. You had everything yesterday with Nebraska basketball where it's kind of running some errands and was listening to, to KP and, and uh, Mule and... They're down 11, they're down 14, they're they're just handing the ball off. I mean, it's it's turnover city, and you're just like, this is just garbage, right? If you are a Nebraska basketball fan, you immediately go from hopeful to pissed because they're just careless with the basketball. It's like you're, you're watching your, your third-grade neighbor kid, uh, and sometimes they're better at taking care of the basketball. But then Nebraska has this unique ability to flip it and play really high-level basketball or put some art form together with their ball movement, catch, shoot, bang, and, and they're right back in it. And then the show that, that Kobe Webster put on from distance and his, his feel and how hot he was and, and the way he's really kind of stepped up or just a play design that gets Trey to the rim and finish in an and one or, or Andre's play or just the, the smart plays and 
precision Thor brings to the party a lot of times. I mean, I believe, yes, Nebraska is playing their best basketball. And I do also believe that is as much improved as this Nebraska basketball team is in their last 10, they're still going to have a hard time staying out of their own way in, in enough moments in a game to make anything comfortable aside from what you saw him do against Rutgers, right? I mean, Rutgers was peak Nebraska for 2020-21, and <laughs> but you're going to have a scoring drought mixed in. You're going to have some tough shot selection. Uh, you're going to have just mindless turnovers. And then to complete the heartbreaker where you're up by a point, there's 11 seconds left, and then you got one of your best shooters in lat that either doesn't catch it cleanly, lost track of time, or, or whatever, but one of the guys I want with the ball in his hand to shoot it is lat, and and he didn't take the shot, and you have a, hot, you have a shot clock violation, and that's maddening. Then you go down, and, and Nebraska doesn't box out and the tip in and there you have it you you, you lose the game uh it was just kind of a, a microcosm of, of nebraska ball the thing that's frustrating though is and we were talking with andy about the officiating is i i just don't get yes it is a tough job yes it is high level yes people are human yes people make mistakes with officials but it always seems like Nebraska gets a crew or there there's a crew on TV somewhere, Iowa, Wisconsin, again, to cite that, that just screw it up. I mean, the, the obvious call where homeboy from Northwestern's thumb clearly defect, deflects the ball out of bounds. It's late in the ball game. It's under two and a half minutes. And they don't get it right. Nebraska loses the possession. Or... There's minimal contact. Derek Walker's down there. All he's trying to do is put a body on someone to box out, and, and they're whistling a, a, a helping of fouls on, on Walker. And he's just trying to box out. And, and I, it just the, the consistency is like there can be a slap and blood drawn on a jump shot on the elbow where there's no whistle. <laughs> Or with with uh, with with Bohannon in Wisconsin yesterday, where clearly the guy acted like he's playing soccer in England and got shot. And you know how you see soccer players flop down. Well, Trice got got hosed on a on a three point uh, attempt by Bohannon. They whistled three free throws. It's a tie game. It's thirty seven seconds left, and, and it's a horrific call. And they go back to the monitor and check <laughs> and it's well damn we missed that there was no foul you should be able to retroactively correct your crappy call if you're going to the monitor first of all and you're going to, to see if it was three or two. Oh, whoops we totally missed that call it was right in front of me i screwed it up but i hope it i pray that the officiating is not a story this weekend or moving forward Right, with the NCAA tournament. And I don't know if you've got some Hollywood officials where their ego's so big and they think they're the show and they take it over and they want to be part of the game versus doing their job at the game. 
I don't know. I mean, you got your TV teddies that are out there. You got your Boboroskis that's got quite a following on social media because of how inept that clown is. And then the, the three guys that huddled up to continue to, to get another call wrong against Nebraska. On top of the fact, half the time it feels like the official that's furthest away and out of positions making the whistle on a play down in the paint. I just want it better. Sounds like McJunkins. <laughs> I just want it better. Well, see, my, my problem with the officiating is even within the conferences, definitely between conferences, but even within conferences, it, it's not consistent. You, you don't know until halftime how these guys are going to be officiating a game. I, I think back to Nebraska's game against Baylor in the NCAA tournament. What was that, 2014? Where it, it was calls that in the Big Ten all year, Nebraska was not getting called on things down in the paint, and then they go uh, and play Baylor. Against Baylor. You breathe on someone from Baylor, and despite Baylor being eight feet tall, they're, they're whistling Nebraska like crazy. Yeah, I think it was an ACC officiating crew that day. Don't quote me on that. That's what my no, memory well, serves me. Timmy got launched that game. Yeah. I mean, he got, he got Tim, Tim Miles got tossed, and he should have. He got pissed, and he was rightfully mad. And, and you, you don't run into that in college football. There, there are slight differences between the conferences and what's emphasized, but generally you know what a holding call is in college basketball or in college football. But you don't know what a, a blocking foul is in college basketball. You don't know what you can do on, on a box out in college basketball because every officiating crew is different. Here is Fred Hoiberg uh, yesterday in his Zoom sit-down after the ball game. Now, this is a two-parter as far as, you know, why Nebraska lost. Nebraska shot well enough to win. Nebraska took care of the basketball in the second half well enough. But clearly nine turnovers. And I mean, we're talking five in their first ten possessions. I mean, they got buried early. And it's their own fault, right? Right? You, you, you take care of your business. You're not so erratic uh, with your starts or in a different portion or stretch of the game, you're going to win some more games. But Nebraska's their own worst enemy at times on the hardwood. They're way better, but they're still not immune to it. Here's the mayor afterwards. Yeah, I, you know, I thought we had a, a couple of good possessions that, that generated a couple of good looks for us. Thor had a good one right in there at the basket. Um, you know, just was a little strong with it. And, you know, I thought Ladd had some time on the one at the top. I, I don't know if he caught it cleanly and, and uh, you know, ended up getting a shot clock violation. And then Kobe had a great look there with, you know, just about three seconds left. I thought Trey made a really good play to throw it ahead and get an uncontested look there uh, is what you want. You know, I, I thought there was a couple of questionable things that happened. Uh, you know, I, can't, I know I can't talk about it, but, you know, it's it's disappointing. When, when that is a, is a part of the outcome, uh, when you guys fight like we did, uh, you know, obviously a disappointing start. We talked at length about uh, these afternoon games. Uh, just it's imperative that you get off to a quick start and fast start and, and, and are the team that plays with more energy. But I thought Northwestern early uh, outplayed us in a lot of those effort categories. Uh, once we got it going, you know, I thought we had as good played as good a basketball as we have on the offensive end. I thought that thing was really moving and, and play, made great unselfish plays. Uh, 21 assists, I believe that's a season high. Uh, for us, we did a much better job of taking care of the basketball after some early miscues. Uh, you know, overall, I'm really proud of our team uh, for going out there and, and showing the fight to give ourselves a chance to win. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Full day of basketball tomorrow. Motsi going to have Norris going on ESPN. Lincoln will have Pius at four tomorrow. As it's uh, Millard West and the Fighting Spitchkiss. Excited for Pius, uh, Parkview Christian, Norris, Waverly loaded up. We'll have the uh, Class A semis Friday, uh, also the B semis Friday. 
in both rounds. And then, of course, Motsi will have Lincoln East going uh, tomorrow night as well. And uh, Carter Glenn and his crew, East, a lot of fun to watch. Reminder about moving and West Blue Realty. So if you're looking to move in 2021, West Blue Realty, they specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and surrounding communities. And for a limited time, you mentioned Hale Varsity, West Blue Realty can give you up to $1,000 off the closing of your next home purchase. Give Tom Luby a shout. Tom is just incredible. 402-540-3768. Kelly Hofschneider, outstanding as well with West Blue Realty. 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue, westbluerealty.com. Get an appointment today. Go see him. Uh, in Lincoln, when you're in Lincoln at 1120 K Street, Suite 200. So, uh, Elijah, had a little grill out yesterday. He had a birthday crew going, which is outstanding. Uh, we did some pork chops, so we did some burgers. Junior just left today for Tampa Bay with Papa Al. Mm. He's going to hit a, uh, a, a New York Yankees spring training that and Junior and, and Papa Al like the Spearmint Rhino. So that is both uh, options for them where they're going to uh, get their uh, their club on and then they are going to, to watch Aaron Judge go yard. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what's more fun, uh, the Spearmint Rhino or, or watching spring training baseball in the house uh, Steinbrenner financed. Brett emails in, there's only one reason Nebraska lost. The other team scored more points. Mm, that's that's great Sound, insight. It sounds like we're, we're empty and there needs to be more Citron vodka involved. <laughs> but uh, what did you fire up yesterday? What was for, what was for uh, the, the grill out? It was sunny and beautiful yesterday. Yeah, so uh, I, I was on the grill, and, as I tend to be. And I actually had my, uh, my Ronnie Lott moment, if you will. Um, finger you injury while finger? grilling. Uh, close. I uh, I was trying out this new grill brush that I got, uh, and it's one of the ones that's like developed by firefighters. It's supposed to be uh, okay. supposed to be healthier and safer. It's not like the the metal bristles that can get like stuck in the grill or whatever. Sure, right. It's uh it's like this little pad that you just dunk in water and use to uh to to clean the grill and like it's, mm-hmm. the water steams up and cleans off the grill. And I got my hand way too close. I was trying to get some downward pressure, mm-hmm. and I got an awful steam burn. So on you the just right singed there. it. Uh, yeah, it does look a little Ronnie Lott-ish, but you would have just amputated and gone well, into the fourth quarter, I well, yeah, assume. I, I played through the pain. I finished up the burgers. I finished up the brats. I finished up a pork tenderloin with, with the finger injury. Ooh. And it, like, I, I, maybe, I might be biased, but that was the best pork tenderloin I've ever made. The burgers turned out money. Brats aren't hard to do, but they turned out really well. And... Uh, I, I played through the pain, put in a, a Pro Bowl performance on that grill despite the injury. Friend Nick gave me some some jalapeno deer brats mm-hmm. that we threw on, which was great. And uh, I'm working on it's not a Pete Rose streak, all right. It's not even DiMaggio yet, but I have worked in uh, three out of the four last days of, of pork chops. So this pork chop streak would would be great. And I put you know a picture of. The, the beautifully done bone-in pork chops on Facebook, and immediately my wife tags me with this giant pig emoji. of uh, And it wasn't a tribute to the pork chop. She was making fun of my waist. Charlie McBride's on the way. Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Hour two, it's Monday, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Good stuff to get us kicked off last hour, Ernest Hausman, newest commit for Nebraska football, first commit for Nebraska football, 2022 standout linebacker from Columbus, Nebraska with us. And we talked with Andy Markowski, we welcome in Mr. Blackshirt himself, Charlie McBride, Mondays with Charlie Coach, are you going to get some of this 70-degree weather we've been having here? Is it headed your way? I, I've asked uh, Almighty to send some, some good weather your way. How you doing? It, it's 70. <laughs> the ice is breaking up on the lake, so it was 70 today. That is awesome. Are you going to fire the grill up? Oh, well, I already did that <laughs> last week when my son was here. Well, it got to 50. Okay. So it was... It's got a little work. <laughs> That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Well, we're uh, we're anxious and uh, excited uh, to spend a few minutes, uh, as I was talking about, with uh, this new commit uh, for Nebraska. He's uh, out of Columbus, Nebraska. Columbus, an area you know well, and, and during uh, sure. the Nebraska area, you guys always did so well between the western part of the state or central part of the state, the, the metros, and, of course, up in uh, northeast Nebraska, you know, I think uh, Columbus and I think uh, guys like, you know, Jeff Lake or I think of guys like uh, Tim Carpenter, I think of, uh, and I know he wasn't from Columbus, but Schlesinger was, was from that region. And uh, yeah. a lot of guys you guys pinpointed either as walk-ons or some kids that, that ended up starting for you, correct? Oh, well, the Pillen brothers. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. Up at the- of course, one of them was an all-Big 8 player, and in fact, both of them might have been. I mean, I can't remember mm-hmm. all that stuff, but they were all good players. I know the older brother was a, uh, an outstanding you know, player in the Big 8 at the time. Mm-hmm. I think he might have been the defensive player of the year in the Big 8 at one time. <laughs> Cleet, yeah. Cletus and uh, but I don't know. They, there's a ton of players. Dan Penzik is from up there, and you know, we've had I don't know how many players. I mean, you couldn't even count them, I don't think, <laughs> you know, from all the years of that. Nebraska, you know, when I, we we were talking about it, I was talking about it to my wife the other day, that, you know, we kind of, we really worked hard in that, you know, that I guess you call it a 500-mile radius mm-hmm. from Chicago to, it's 500 to Chicago, it's 500 to Denver, um, and then Kansas City, because I had Kansas City area and Missouri and stuff, and we got some really good football players out of those areas. And now, uh, you know, it's uh, and we've had their sons, fathers and sons, mm-hmm. grew bunch, you know. So it's 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 getting uh, it's getting good if we you know can stay with it. You know, I sent a. Uh, called in a name of a kid over here in a little town. There's 800 in the school. And they won the state championship in their division, and he's a receiver, and he's only a junior, but he's something special, I think. You know, he comes from a small town, and 
I don't know how many people will be looking at him, but, you know, I think that uh, he's a guy that, you know, kind of a player you'd want. He's, you know, he had, I saw him play through the playoffs on television. And, you know, you hear a lot about the kid on just you listen on television, and he's a top student and the whole thing. And so, you know, those are the kind of kids you're looking for. I mean, you know, it's, they can do a lot. And those, um, I always like to take those stars. And um, I guess the best thing to do with those is shove them someplace where it's really dark. <laughs> so you're not a star guy. I, 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 that does not surprise me at all. Charlie McBride, anti-star, but that's pretty good. Coach, uh, the, the, well, I mean, just spend a little bit further time on, on just the, that, that, small, that small town connection, the small town attitude and how that can help a kid thrive. Well, I think one of the things is, is, you know, it's kind of a funny thing that, you know, you, we've got a lot of players that are eight man players and a lot of players that were, you know, in, 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 you know, in the, in the regular higher leagues, you know, from, from, you know, towns like Grand Island and so forth. But I think when you look back at all the guys from the smaller towns and stuff like that, I mean, it, you know, Wahoo, we had, I mean, how many, how many kids we had at Wahoo? We've had all Americans out of Wahoo, mm-hmm. Nebraska. And I used to laugh every time Johnny Carson would get on it and talk about his phone booth. It was his office in Wahoo, Nebraska. <laughs> but, 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 you know, I, I remember one day we were in a meeting and, um, and we, uh, I came into the meeting about, they had been looking at a film of a player out in uh, Kearney. Mm-hmm that area and uh they all said no he was too he would be he wasn't fast enough to be a tight end and he probably i forget what else to be a fullback he wasn't fast enough and all these things and so i looked at the film for a minute and i said well i told coach osborne we'll make a defensive lineman out of him he looked turned he turned and looked at me he said you really think you can i said yeah he can do all the things we want you know what a, a tough. He's tough. He's fast. He's, you know, for a defensive lineman, he can move. He's aggressive. He plays every play. You know, and he said, "Well, you're going to have to turn on some of these good players that we're supposed to be great players to, to take him." And I said, "I'll take him." Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Lauren Kaiser was his name, and Lauren started for two years for us, and three years really, I think, played a lot three years for us, and. You know, he he came in at about 240 and ended up being about 295. And, you know, he is a heck of a defensive lineman for us and, and played for us through the uh, that 97 team, 97 national championship team. He was on that team. And, you know, there's so many times when you think, you know, you, you've got to develop players. I mean, you cannot, you cannot expect to go to like they have – they go across the street to get players in Ohio and, and back east. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy for them to recruit. And the traveling's easy to get to the populated areas. So, uh, you know, we always were in the back, kind of the back burner, you know, and, and we're on the back burner in the Big Ten and Iowa is, mm-hmm. you know, and so, things like that. Ourselves and I look at Iowa. They, they've developed a program from a lot of corn too, mm-hmm. you know? so so it's 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 something you have to make a decision to do, and 
you know, it's. Uh, I, I think that you know when you have players that don't feel like they're out of their area. I notice a lot of the good players say, well, I want to go where it's warm and that. Well, let me tell you something about that trick. You go ahead and go where it's warm, and then if you are good enough and you play in the NFL, you're going to go where it's cold, I'll promise you. (laughs) And you won't be used to it, and you won't like it. (laughs) And I went through that at Arizona State. And we had four players drafted, and they're all four of them went to North One, went to Buffalo, one went to Detroit, one went to Minnesota. And that was in the days when they all had outside stadiums, too. Sure. And every one, every one of them was moaning and groaning when they went up to Wyoming and played in some snow or played in some cold weather. And I just told them, I said, guys, you better get used to it if you're going to play in the NFL. And that's what happened to them. All four of them ended up at Northern Schools. And so I think, you know, you have to, you know, you get out of your element, too, a lot of times when you – you know, whether it's Southerners coming north or Northerners going south. And, you know, if they, if you're a Northerner going south and there's a player down there that's as good as you are, he's going to play, you're going to sit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, man, that's, that's, the, that's the facts of life. Uh, some of these guys that get players from all over the country, they're, you know, the Alabamas and stuff, but you find out where the heart of their football team's from. It's all from the southeast. Charlie McBride's with us, Mondays with Charlie Hale, Varsity Radio. Coach, we spent some time talking stop rate, and uh, that is, uh, you know, how many drives a defense produces Mm -hmm. that is either a punt, turnover on downs, or a turnover, right? And the, uh, the, the numbers are this for Nebraska defensively last year. They finished... 92nd in the country with a stop rate of just a uh, shade over 57%. They were 12th in the Big Ten. I thought the defense got better, but their stop rates were actually, you know, 12 to to 13% better in in 2019 and in 2018. But Nebraska, think about this, Coach. 18 drives by the opponents of the 94 drives – started at the 50-yard line or better. And that doesn't count the one scoop and score that Ohio State got or the kickoff return that, uh, that, that Rutgers had. So there's two drives that were instant things with either a turnover or a special teams blow up. But that, that is excessive, isn't it? 18 drives starting at your own 50 if you're a defense? <laughs> Let me tell you what, if you start in the middle of the field, no matter where it is, you're at a disadvantage on defense right off the bat. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's it, it you don't have far to go. And um, the closer you get to the goal line, of course, it's always tougher. So that's why a lot of the great teams really work hard on their goal line stuff and spend a lot of time in the off season trying to develop some kind of a goal line package, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that is going to be acceptable for their offense. And sometimes it changes a little bit. We always call the red zone. It used to be when I started out was the 15 yard line and in, and then they started throwing the ball around. So it moved to the 20 mm-hmm. was the red, red zone. And, but uh, you know, I tell you, if you turn the ball over or you give them the ball at at, at those particular areas of the field, anything in between the forties, 
you know, and they start from, you know, whether it's their 40 or your, your 40, it doesn't make a whole lot of difference. But your chances aren't real good because they can start out right away without the ability, without having the goal line at their back. And and uh, you know getting shoved and them losing the ball and so forth. So you know it's really uh, you know it's both. That's why I said it's called a team. And a lot of times people don't realize that that we're responsible for the offense. We got to get the ball for them. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to it. And uh, of course their responsibility is to take it and do something with it. You know and. Um, but turning it over is not one of the better things to do. And, uh, you know, I remember the old story you'd rather that Bob used to always tell about young kids. He used to tell them you'd, re- you'd rather fumble the ball now than go to Memorial Stadium and fumble the ball. <laughs> you know, so, you know, so fumbling the ball was just out. It was, a, and it was absolutely not accepted. And that's the way you have to coach them. You know, that, that you can't play. I mean, if you're going to drop it on the ground, we're going to find somebody else because it's just the way it went. And I, I can go back and I can remember Tom Rathman. Tom had a, had a, had a, a script a time in the game where he, he fumbled three times. And everybody was going, oh, my goodness, you know, here's this guy is really bad, you know. But if you go back and look at all his playing time, he fumbled the ball three times. <laughs> so, so, you know, when you really look at it, it just happened to be one of those areas like in basketball. Somebody's going to get 15 points and you're going to get none. Right. And, that, and that's kind of what he went through. And I, you feel so bad for him. But then all of a sudden, you know, you go to the end of his career and he fumbled it twice, three times, those three times. He, uh, he did it all at once and got it out of his system. I remember talking to Coach Rathman about a month ago, and he always kind of smiles when he talks about, uh, you know, a couple of fumbles he had in Nebraska, and then he fumbled in training camp with the Niners. And Bill Walsh, pulled, uh, Bill Walsh pulling him by the side and said, you know, there's no scholarships here. We don't have to keep you. So uh, he he uh, he got real serious about his ball security. But but what a great career he had. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, it it it's really it, it's you know it's something you think about all the time. You don't you don't just think about it. Well, spring ball starting, so I'm gonna start thinking about it now. You think about it all year. You think about it while you're sitting there in the library resting between books or something, you know, and uh, you think about it when you're in bed, you think about it all the time about security of the ball. And if you don't put that in your mind and, and the same thing with defensive guys, think about turning it over, think about, you know, making a play, you know, you know, dream big, you know, and, and things like that. And you think about if you make a mistake that it's over with and you just go to the next play and you're going to make up for it. Mm-hmm. And so there's so many things you have to do mentally off the field and you have to be reminded of, especially when you're young. Because once you grow and grow that into your system, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of times you see great defensive teams have great defensive players. They're stealing the ball. I mean, they take it right out of your hands while you're running with it. <laughs> You know that's that's their their um, you know that's their system and that's their what their mind is doing. So, you know, it's just a continual thing that you have to do year after year after year. And then as kids come in, they see how how hard the older guys are working and 
and uh, you know what it takes and some things like that you know but a lot of kids are coached well in high school and you know come in with that in mind coach we'll uh, get ready and, and talk next monday and always fun to spend some time with you enjoy the weather and thanks for jumping on with us today okay well i'm looking outside now and it looks beautiful so i can't complain thanks for having me hey it's awesome to spend time with you coach we appreciate you okay thank you bye now there he is mr blackshirt charlie mcbride and now and now back to hail varsity radio Good stuff from Coach McBride, Ernest Hausman, Andy Markowski. We welcome in Mr. Recruiting Insider. Some crouton time. Greg Smith with us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine at GregSmithHV on Twitter. Greg, how was the weekend? What's up? Oh, the week the weekend was very good. Uh, got on the grill, um, so that's always a happy time. I did not have pork chops like you did for what was probably the eighth time in a row, but, but still all good. Uh, you know, I am. I am going. I see Dimaggio's streak, and I'm going to meet <laughs> Dimaggio's streak. And I may have to amend from the pork chop just to to figuring out. You know, 58 straight days of grilling, either with the grill or the uh, the air fryer. But I'm ready to to knock that challenge out, either here or Arizona. But no, I, I'm just. Uh, I was telling Elijah about this piggy emoji my wife put up on facebook i mean it was it was hilarious i mean is this 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 giant pig jumping up and down all that was missing was sound effects but you could hear the sound effects in your mind and uh that's just the the love i have i'm outside slaving away on the grill you know trying to cook uh, dinner for the fam and she's sitting on the couch watching s creek and uh, oh, let's um, let's blast uh, Dad here as he's out there making dinner. Man, so, you're you're just trying to feed the family, man. That's not right. No, I know. I bought it and I cooked it. Kind of my job, right? But uh, yeah, I got I got blasted on by her, but it, it was kind of funny. So uh, what a job by the Nebraska staff. Uh, really impressed with Ernest Hausman, uh, and not only his film, Greg, but just uh, just his. His maturity, right? And I know you've spoken with Ernest a lot of times in a great write-up and recap uh, with, with Ernest committing. But, you know, what's it mean to you that, that he's number one for Nebraska in, in 2022? What's, this, what's the significance here of, of getting a guy this, of this talent level that's in-state? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a few things that jump off uh, right away. One is because of the maturity that you mentioned, and I'm glad you got to have him on, um, and so the listeners did hear it, um, he's going to be a great ambassador for the class, right? And I think that one of the first things that he mentioned to me when I talked to him was how he wanted to be a peer recruiter in the class, and that was part of what led him to want to commit now was so he could help be, uh, be one of the people that helped, really helped to build the class for 2022. Um, and he's going to be great at that. Like, I think that that's, that's always important, um, especially once visits start opening up. Then you think about getting one of the, the big five so far in state um, to commit and to kind of get in the boat early, get in the class early. That's always good as well. Um, so you can kind of stem some of that. So now you know as a Husker fan that Nebraska is not going to go over for 5 um, with the, the scholarship power five guys uh, in the state for 22 so those are right off the top are a couple of really big reasons why he's a big deal and that's even before you get uh, the skills on the field right I mean we haven't touched on his skills but we're talking PR and we're talking connection with other in-state kids those are two huge things you know yeah by the way the, the kid can 
can play and, and we think he's going to be able to contribute. What do you see from him? I mean, who does he remind you of? I guess is the best question because, you know, Nebraska loves to cross train on the defensive side of the ball. Man, you know what's interesting is if you just think about like how he plays reminds me of a kid from this last class, Randolph Kapai, um, who I feel like we figured out along the way was really kind of underrated in Nebraska's class, even though he was a four-star. But it reminds me a lot of him um, because he's got really, really good athleticism. Like the, the thing that stands, that stands out to me about Ernest Hausman is that he's a very good athlete. He plays on both sides of the football. Um, out there in Columbus, he plays wide receiver and actually does it pretty well um, at 6'3". 215, 210, um, but I think Nebraska likes him as an inside linebacker, and you can tell kind of what Nebraska is trying to do with that inside backer group, right? So if you look at guys, and it started kind of back with Nick Henrich and his athleticism, it goes to Kapai and Makai Gabor, who came in, in the last class, and then now starting off with Ernest House, and they're trying to upgrade that athleticism on the inside by quite a bit. Um, Luke Reimer as well, shouldn't forget about him. Um, and you can see kind of what they're trying to build an inside backer. Greg, with uh, with guys like Ernest Hausman and Nick Henrich, they have some experience rushing the passer, uh, but they're going to be playing that, that middle linebacker spot most likely. Is that something this Husker coaching staff is trying to emphasize in their middle linebackers? They, they want guys that can get after the quarterback on the blitz? I think so, but I also think what happens when you get guys that have also played some outside linebacker and maybe even you know some offense as well is that you get some better familiarity with them playing against the pass, right? So I think that it's easier for guys like say Nick Henry, Randolph Kapai, some of these other guys that are used to playing in space a little bit more, they can do that in coverage. And we've seen Husker inside linebackers over the years kind of get picked on in the passing game by opposing big ten coaches. Um, so hopefully down the road you can start to stop that uh, because these guys are used to also covering and then rushing as well because they, they've shown that skill too. You know, you, you just kind of led into that that want at, at middle linebacker and this goes back to kind of the, the, the transformation from that 5-2 that to the 4-3 the and how everybody moved up a level or you moved from outside in right your safeties were or corners your corners were outside backers your outside backers were inside backer your uh other guys kind of moved down you know from from outside backer to rush end and then your traditional defensive ends were your interior tackles because you were able to to still stop the run but you were just lightning quick i mean you had just the, the perfect combination of size and speed and your partner on your podcast with uh, with Hale Varsity, Jay Foreman. I mean, Jay's a perfect example of a guy that played inside and out. John Hess was a guy that they moved from safety to middle backer and put some weight on. And Ed Stewart kicked it all off, who was a safety, right, uh, from Chicago mm-hmm. that played inside backer and was phenomenal. Hausman strikes me as the type of guy, because of his background with playing a year and starting a year at corner and then you move him one more spot further in by the hash market outside backer where he lit up so many people last year off the edge and now you move him in that athleticism is just perfect isn't it to be a difference maker even as an inside guy to be able to stop the run but really be able to play football in 2022 and beyond with you, you got to have that don't you, you got to have that athleticism even at middle middle backer where it's 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 meat and potatoes in the big 10 
Yeah, I think the days are gone where you're just going to kind of have kind of the big inside linebacker with the neck roll um, that really is only out here like stuffing the run, right? Like you Mm -hmm. can't get away with that anymore. If you just think about kind of the offenses that you see in the Big Ten and the variety of which the styles of play that those teams play with, like it's just hard to do that. Like you're going to obviously need to be able to stuff the run. um, Then you're not going to win in this league if you can't stop the run. But it's also going to be really, really hard on you these days to slow down Big Ten offenses if you don't have versatile um, players all over the field, but especially at inside linebacker and steady linebacker play in this league um, is something that basically every good team in the conference has in common. Well, I mean, look at how good Northwestern's been the last couple of years and Patty Fisher's been there a thousand years. Ohio State speaks for themselves. Uh, and, and Iowa's been really high level as well. Same with Wisconsin, right? I mean, how many, yep. how many linebackers go to the NFL from Wisconsin. So uh, proof is right there with your point. Greg Smith's with us. Recruiting thoughts, HailVarsity.com and Magazine at Greg Smith HV. So, Greg, where can, can Ernest do some work? Who are some guys uh, within the state? Uh, you know, we talked about the, 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 the Nebraska Five. Now there's Nebraska Four with, with Houseman committing to Nebraska. So there's four high-level in-state kids where can can Ernest be valuable that way from maybe changing some minds? Also, uh, who's next on your radar as far as to, to be maybe the second commit here for 2022? Yeah, I'll be curious to see how Ernest does in kind of peer recruiting Caden Helms, um, the tight end out of Bellevue West. Um, I know that he's been taking some kind of like the self-guided tours around schools and has been out um, and about trying to figure out, kind of narrow down some of his choices. Um, but he, I think that he's a guy that's been really receptive to Nebraska's pitch um, on the recruiting trail. So if you can combine that with, with a peer uh, coming to you, that'll be great. It'll also be interesting to see what happens with the other linebacker spot on the inside if they decide to just take two on the inside uh, because there's a kid right in Hayes, Kansas, Gavin Myers um, that's nearby that you could he could also help out with. And then as far as kind of looking at who's next, it, it could be a little bit wide open uh, because I could see it. We go into a pause until we get some visits. And I think um, hopefully, you know, May 31st is the end of the dead period and you get those visits right away after that um, because I think that that will really help Nebraska as a guy um, an outside linebacker, Popeye Williams, who Nebraska likes. You could always look towards uh, James Mons the third, uh, the defensive back out of Florida as well. Um, so Nebraska's got a lot of guys that they like. You just kind of got to get them here and seal the deal, I think, before the thing really starts to get picked up. Does Popeye have an anchor tattoo on his forearm? I will have to ask him that because if he does, that would be very cool. And he might be my favorite recruit in the last 10 years. I mean, if you have the first name of Popeye, you got to have the anchor tat, dude. I mean, you kind of have to, right? I would think. I would think. I mean, yeah. that, he's got to be an early favorite for the all name team. I mean, that comes out every oh, year. He's, he's captain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's going to be the short list for captain right there. Greg, got about 90 seconds here. I just want to ask you, is there anything to a guy like Ernest Hausman breaking the seal, being the first guy into the class? Um, well, do you think there's a chance other guys just didn't want to be the first guy to commit, especially in a dead period when they don't get visits, and now that they see another guy committing to Nebraska, it's, it kind of opens up the door for them? Or, or is, uh, is that not something they're looking at? 
Um, I would not think that that was something that they're looking at. It cannot hurt, um, but I don't think that it would be a huge consideration. Uh, but I do think that there are guys getting closer to making decisions even through this dead period. Because, like I said, there's a number of guys that just started taking those self-guided tours after the NCAA made that latest extension to the dead period because you just don't know with the NCAA. Um, so I do think that there are more kids that are closer to decisions than we think. Um, it's just tough to get a read on right now. Now, Greg, if you had to guess, do you think this is going to be the last extension of the recruiting dead period with the vaccines being uh, rolled out in a lot of college campuses and saying they're going to be open full capacity this fall uh, for uh, for their stadiums and whatnot? I, I do think that this is the last extension, that it, but that's just my, my gut hunch right now um, because I do think that the NCAA realizes that you, you don't want to go another camp season missed as well. I think that that's an important component to, uh, to continue to get kids exposure so they can pick up more scholarship offers. Greg, what are you working on here uh, for this week, bud? Oh, we got, so I'll be looking tomorrow at um, kind of what will be happening with kind of a domino effect of when you get a linebacker in the class and you're probably going to have a smaller class, that puts the squeeze, right, on a couple of other linebackers uh, that could be coming to Nebraska or could not. So we'll, we'll kind of look into that. That's kind of the next thing that I'm diving into. Well, can't wait for it. Greg, we'll check in soon. Thanks for the time. Great stuff on Ernest and the recruiting uh, coverage you provide. Thanks for, for jumping on with us. Hey, have a good time. Hope the wife doesn't get after you today. Well, not likely. She is steel chair in hand and ready to jump off the top rope. We'll hit some uh, some college basketball, some NFL. Hail Varsity continues. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, tomorrow at 4, we're at Pinnacle Bank Arena, Pius and uh, Millard West. Mozi will have Norris tomorrow morning. We'll have uh, coverage of Waverly as well. Parkview Christian, your headquarters and home for Boys State 2021, ESPN Lincoln and KFOR. Evening games will be over on KFOR. Day uh, shows uh, will be on through most of the week, uh, Hooks and Friends and Hale Varsity uh, will be on, uh, you know, through a lot of the week. Check your social media postings, but uh, no show for us tomorrow, no show for us Friday because of, of basketball action. Excited about uh, being able to see uh, Pius and Coach Spichka do their thing. Parkview Christian, really solid team. Waverly, phenomenal. Uh, Norris, good stuff. And, uh, of course, we'll have the, the A final. Uh, all eyes again on uh, Bellevue West and uh, Millard North. So that's where we're at. Uh, plenty of coverage for championship Saturday on ESPN Lincoln and KFOR. So Creighton uh, men's basketball coach Greg McDermott, he's been reinstated for all team activities following a one-game suspension for racially insensitive comments he made to his players in late February. That announcement coming down about an hour ago. The decision allows McDermott to coach the Jays in this week's Big East tournament. McDermott apologized Tuesday for his comments, coached Wednesday against Villanova, then was suspended indefinitely. He missed Creighton's win over Butler Saturday. He had Alan Huss filling in uh, through his immediate apology, ownership of his actions, Difficult dialogue with his team and more. Coach McDermott's demonstrated 
a commitment to grow, says Creighton AD Bruce Rasmussen. I believe his apology, his commitment to grow from this, to learn and to regain the trust of his student athletes and other others impacted by his words. From our conversations, he understands that forgiveness must be earned. He's willing to work for that. His actions during his career reveal an individual committed to his team and his community. As such, Coach McDermott has been reinstated for all team activities, including the Big East Tournament. So uh, you had McDermott said he twice used the word plantation as part of an analogy, urging team unity following a loss against Xavier. Specifically, guys, we got to stick together. We need both feet in. I need everybody to stay on the plantation. I can't have anybody leave the plantation. That was horrific. And uh, he he owned that. He even offered resignation because he felt so horrible. Uh, I don't know McDermott well. I know he's come on with us a couple of times during Creighton runs in the tournament. And I I have a hard time uh, looking at his body of work and as many kids have, that have come forward, despite their frustration and anger with the term that was used. But his body of work and the dude he is, uh, that's the big picture not a horrific analogy with a, a hateful word or term used for a, a place that was not good for, for many people uh, when it comes to slavery and enslavement and all the horrors that went on on plantations for several hundred years. Marcus Zigorowski, uh, after uh, the, the win against Butler, and you had Creighton players before the contest, um, react, share their feelings about uh, the Coach McDermott situation. But here's part of what Zigorowski, uh, Creighton's top performer, had to say about his feelings with his coach and also just where they go from now. You know, I know we made a really, you know, sensitive mistake, really bad mistake with what he said. But, you know, only I know every, everything that he's done for me as a as a as a player, but more, more important as a human being and you know he's he loves me he, he loves everybody in that locker room and you know he's he's shown that every single day I've been on this campus that that says a ton right there when your best player comes forward and just is very real very real now a couple of things a Creighton should have suspended McDermott before the Villanova game didn't that's a screw up by them. B, um, this could have been handled internally as bad as it was, but it could have been handled internally instead it became public. And not that you need to cover or keep quiet. I'm not saying that at all. But if, if you're an, uh, an African-American player or assistant and you're just gut punched by this, which I totally get, uh it still got out. It was shared. But the reality is this. Things aren't aren't kept in-house from a, we'll handle it internally. I mean, Creighton still could have suspended. There could have been a revelation of, okay, McDermott suspended. Here's what happened. Here's what was said. Creighton could have released that information versus it getting out from the locker room. It could have got out from the locker room after action 
would have been taken. Yeah, but I, I personally respect Coach McDermott. Within the news release, whenever he announced what was happening, he even put in quotations the words that he used. Uh, he didn't say, I used some bad words. He, no, he said, here's what he, I said. He owned his words. Uh, I respect Coach McDermott for that. I, I have a friend whose family is big Creighton basketball mm-hmm. boosters, uh, and he's gotten the chance to to have some interactions with Coach McDermott, both within Coach McDermott's mm-hmm. setting uh, at work in both, and then also – uh, off campus, off work, uh, and, and he said nothing but good things about Coach McDermott. He was pretty shocked to hear Just that a Coach great McDermott dude that made a like bad this. mistake. Yes. Period. More from Zigorowski here uh, on uh, his uh, thought process with Coach McDermott. Obviously, it's a real sensitive topic. You know, you know, a lot of guys in the, in that locker room, you know, were hurting from it, and you know, I was hurting from you know what he said, and but at the same time, you know, I think you know Coach Mack has. He's been a huge mentor for me. So again, bigger picture. What's this guy done? What is this guy? Versus a couple of words he said. Do we have final comment here from Zigarowski? Uh, he discusses their their last game. Uh, okay, win. don't care. They they beat Butler. Yeah, I'm more interested in in how and if Creighton moves forward here and they kind of put it together. Huge win for Michigan State yesterday. Ohio State continues. God, they're good enough to, to beat anybody, but they've also faded uh, a little bit here. The, 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 they faded the tendency to, the, to play down to their competition. They have faded to the point, and their competition's like two one seeds and a two seed, right? <laughs> so, but they, they they are, you know, they've been they've lost three or four in a row, and damn it, they're they're the second best two seed there is. That's just what Ohio State is. Illinois right on a one seed. Iowa playing great ball. They're a one seed. Wisconsin right now, I think they're probably uh, an 8 or a 9. I think Rutgers is probably at a 10 seed or so. If Rutgers even makes it in. I think Rutgers will get in. I, I think they they got to get at least a win in the Big Ten tournament, though. Yeah, Maryland, though. I wonder if Maryland's in trouble because they, they dropped one to Northwestern. They, just, they got swept by Penn State. Uh, they also have some pretty big-time wins, Maryland does. We'll see how crazy it gets uh, in Indy. We'll be down at Longwell's Wednesday getting you ready for Nebraska and Penn State. We'll wind down on Monday. Tale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. What final time? PBA tomorrow, 4 o'clock. Pius and uh, Millard West. And uh, we'll have uh, pregame coverage of that around 350 or sit down with Coach Spitchka, see how far them bolts can go. And uh, coverage of area teams, Parkview Christian, Norris, and uh, Waverly. So a reminder here about buckling up. It's key and crucial for you to do so when it comes to fatalities across the Nebraska. Nearly 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a safety belt. If used properly, seatbelts can reduce the risk of fatal injury up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Uh, some thoughts, Levante, David, many Tampa Bay Bucks looking to get re-signed, looking to get paid. And um, that'll be key. I know Tom Brady's already begun thinking about 
kind of reconfiguring his contract so folks can get paid and he'd get probably a multi-year deal for Levante, probably a three-year deal, four-year deal, probably just a, a, a extension to sue, right? Uh, Pierre Paul, I think is okay. Barrett probably just got paid. He got a one-year deal for, I think it was $15 million, something like that. Does that sound right for Shaq Barrett? Something I think like so. That. And yeah. he, he probably even deserves a little more than that if he were to resign. But yeah. I mean, who, so, who knows if he's willing to take that pay cut to, to, to keep the band together? Well, some guys might. I mean, Brady is the first to say, yeah, the, uh, the championship discount is very real. Uh, and then you've got Gronk there. Adam Schefter reporting. We'll spend more time on this. Well, maybe tomorrow. Uh, Cowboys are giving Dak Prescott a four-year, $160 million deal. $126 million guaranteed. First three years going to average $42 million a year. That's Mahomes level. If he would have... If he would have just been tagged for a second consecutive year, it would have been a $37 million hit. So I think Dak's really good. I know Dak got dinged. I have no doubt Dak will bounce back and kind of regain the form. He's got weapons. You still got a couple more years in that offensive line. You still got Zeke. Defense was absolutely ravaged last year, especially the linebacking core with injury. I'm waiting for Dallas to get like 12 and 4 good again. Right? And I had a little more interest in Dallas when they had Malik Collins there, but they still have um they still have Randy there and Randy's had some good moments. And he he came on strong at the end of this year. Yeah, Ra- Randy's good. I mean, Randy can ball. Um but um you still got Gifford there, mm-hmm. right? So, well, what I think is interesting about this uh, Dak Prescott is if, if you were wondering how he felt about being franchise tagged last year, uh, this uh, contract includes a no franchise tag provision once it runs out at the end of the, the uh, at the end at the end of the deal. The Cowboys are going to be unable to franchise tag him. If you were wondering how he felt, so what happens uh, with the Deshaun Watson saga? Does he get the hell out of Houston? What's going to go on with Tua? Minnesota shopping. Alex Smith goes where? And uh, you got a lot of quarterbacks projected to go in the draft here. Talk to you from PBA tomorrow at 4. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery.